Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a Medallia company, and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Sunil Joseph is joining me on the podcast today, and he's the Vice President of Customer Success for Avenue. And that's a company that is focused on helping companies improve their culture through the power of stories. He also advises early stage customer success startups and is the first advisor on board for Outline, a customer success startup focused on putting customers in the center of everything. We'll be talking about how professional services is different from customer success and how to make a shift from a professional services approach to a customer success approach if that's right for your company. So Sunil, welcome to Strike Tech Radio. And thank you so much for having me. So one of my favorite parts of this podcast is hearing about how leaders landed in customer success. What was your path into our field? That's a great question. So my path to customer success has been a little more eclectic than others. Uh, in terms of my background, I've had the pleasure of working as an engineer at the start of my career. I worked in investment banking at Wall Street, did management consulting with the big four organization. And then the most exciting piece of my career is the past five years where I got to work with really high growth startups. That's great. My... Sorry, Kristen, go first. <laughs> I think oh, no, no, answer. go ahead, go ahead. Um, I spent more than a decade and a half working in customer success space in different capacities. Um, so even while I was an engineer, one of the things that always kind of skips a center in my career is about how do we make customers successful? Um, and that kind of continues to this phase. In terms of my career, a couple of different phases that might be helpful for others as they're thinking to transition their career into customer success or trying to build their career in CS is about thinking about different phases of their career. So in terms of my phases of my career, I was a builder to start with. Then I was able to help businesses evolve and change. And then finally, uh, thinking about how do we scale businesses. One of the things that really helps me with my day-to-day uh, -day job uh, is thinking from a systems thinking perspective uh, and which comes in from my early experience as an engineer building the nuts and bolts for healthcare practice in the UK. One of the things that I was always curious about was learning more about the impact in terms of how businesses could be improved. That took me to grad school at Carnegie Mellon, did different internships supporting businesses, uh, interned at Wall Street. Um, then I ended up kind of working for Deloitte, uh, supporting healthcare customers and kind of improving their outcomes. Uh, and then, uh, funny enough, but I actually was a medallion as well um, and uh, worked at <laughs> Medallia for less than two years, uh, supporting Fortune uh, 100 customers across all industries. Uh, and then I helped uh, build out the customer success team at Reflective right after that, 
uh, leading the mid-market team and eventually uh, heading up the CSM team there. And currently I lead up the customer success and operations team at Avenue. Got it. So tell us a little bit more about Avenue. What do you do and how is your success team set up there? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you giving a little bit of an overview of Avenue to start with, but um, just to give a little more uh, detail into that. Uh, so we bring the oldest uh, form, which is storytelling, uh, and we bring the newest technology, which is AI, to help people, teams, and organization open up to their greatest potential, not tomorrow, right now. And when I joined Avenue, we were focused on more of the services piece, and that's why this topic is really near and dear to me. Um, and not just at Avenue, but a lot of the other organizations that I was part of, which organically does happen with early stage companies, is you focus mm -hmm. on providing that white glove level service to your customers. Uh, we did have a really highly experienced team on the ground, really, really talented. Um, so at Avenue, we had a director on board. We had uh, a bunch of really smart CSMs. Uh, the, a lot of the experience that the folks in the team had was around change management. Um, and the question was, how do we leverage these awesome experiences that folks in the team have, but combine that with the scaling requirements needed to meet the needs of the business? Mm -hmm. So from that point on, the process that I followed was really kind of figuring out the skill sets in the team and understanding what are the skill sets that will be really helpful for the next stage of growth. Uh, one of the things that uh, leaders coming into uh, a team of this kind kind of think about is how do I kind of just really change up this team and just build up a customer success team? That could be right for some people, but not for me. One of the things I think about is leveraging the skill sets of folks in the team. So it, from a process perspective, the first thing I did was splitting up the team into onboarding, customer success, support, and enablement, more as capabilities in the team, and then really figuring out who on the team might be really fit for uh, figuring out these different pieces of the puzzle. And they're definitely kind of skill sets that matched uh, different pieces of the puzzle and not saying that there should be just one person responsible for onboarding. You can still have people on your team that are supporting these various capabilities, but it's about figuring out the right mix that will help you kind of meet those outcomes for your customers. Mm -hmm. The second goal that we focused on was reducing the time required to onboard. Uh, and the third was creating a standard engagement model that will help us scale. And one of the things that we did as a part of the process was also trying to figure out what are the skill sets that we don't have in the team and what are the skill sets that we need to build for existing team members and also try to figure out who could be uh, members that we could get externally who have experience in core customer success that could help us scale. So part of my job was also hiring. I still remember doing around uh, eight to 10 interviews every day, trying to build up the team. And I probably believe that was the, the most fun part of my experience because um, especially when you have a, a smaller uh, team on the ground, you have to do everything from sourcing to interviewing to closing uh, the CSMs or the folks on your team. So that was kind of really, really fun to go through that process. And obviously the team mm -hmm. has uh, ebbed and flowed in terms of size. Um, and I also had the opportunity to bring new products and packages to the market and also read up our revenue operations team to align all our teams together to roll out these different services to our customers. So it was a little bit more of an, a, a detailed explanation to your question, but hopefully that helps in terms of providing some context in terms of how the team was built at Avenue. Absolutely, that's great. Um, what we're gonna be focusing on today is the difference between customer success and professional services. And of course, both of these roles are important. How would you define them? 
Absolutely. So in my mind, customer success is the art and science of understanding how we define, deliver, and multiply the value that a customer receives from one's services. Uh, customer mm -hmm. success, usually, if you think about it from a contractual perspective, is usually bundled with the product. Uh, and also from an organizational perspective, I believe CS and product should be tied at the hip uh, because a lot of the value that the customers get needs to be defined. And if you, if you were to ask me, what's the one line or one word definition of customer success, I would say customer success professionals are the sales folks uh, that get into involved in the process from a relationship value uh, and outcomes perspective right after the sale is closed. So uh, I know that that might be a little controversial, but if you think about it, uh, <laughs> CSMs kind of drive the value and relationship uh, after the sale is closed. Uh, and in, in a lot of scenarios, if you think about it, for enterprise deals, you will still have an AE involved uh, in the account, and that's that's traditional as well. Uh, but I think the AE and the CSM kind of work hand in hand in that point. And just coming to professional services, on the other hand, uh, is providing a service. If you think about it, such as onboarding, training, optimization workshops, uh, you you might think about all the services that provide that you can provide out of the box. Uh, and this could be a one-time service or an ongoing services. And services are usually paid services that are above and beyond the standard subscription. And that's why I mentioned at the start when about customer success being bundled as a part of the standard contract. And that's pretty traditional in the customer success space. Whereas if there are services, usually there is a line item on the contract or once the customer mm -hmm. gets started, then you tend to add those services to meet those needs of customers at an ongoing basis. Yeah, you know, I think, um when I think about these two, I kind of think about the objectives of these two teams. And if you think about it that way, they're they're pretty different from each other. I mean, I think the objective of customer success in my mind is delivering value. And the objective of professional services is um, getting things done quickly and effectively. And so if you if you think about it that way, I think it helps to kind of draw that line between those two roles. Um, so yeah, let's get into this a little bit more. What do you see as the major differences in the value delivered by customer success and professional services? Yeah, Kristen, to build up on kind of what you said earlier, customer success should focus on ongoing value versus services team should focus on time-bound outcomes. And what I mean by that is from a customer success perspective, when you start the relationship with the customer on an onboarding uh, phase, one of the first things that a CSM should do is figuring out what are those outcomes that will make the customer successful. And just going into a little more detail about that, what that really means is figuring out what does success mean to the customer based on the usage of your product. Uh, if that's kind of the, the, the field that you're in, if you're in a SaaS product that you're working with, uh, what does success mean for that customer, right? So if you're, if you're working on an HR or culture product, it might be increasing the EMPS or improving retention. Uh, if you're working on a product like, say, a medallia, uh, you're thinking about what does the NPS mean for the customers and what does what is the revenue impact at the end of the day? Um, so that's kind of very critical to create at the start uh, of the engagement. And that's, that's where the value definition starts. What is the value or ROI that we're able to drive uh, as a CS function or as a CSM to, to continue to drive moving forward? And that value not just needs to be defined at the start, but also needs to be continued to be measured 
and also mm -hmm. uh, elicited in the process moving forward. Uh, and what I mean by that is once you are out of the onboarding phase and you're launched and everybody's celebrating and that's the time to kind of calibrate and show the value that we've delivered uh, after launch and talk about are there any priorities that have changed in the process? And sometimes implementation takes a couple of hours for some uh, products and sometimes implementation takes months. So the value definitely would have changed and the definition of the priorities might have changed. So it's always good to recalibrate that, not just on a quarterly basis, but at every milestone or what I like to call it, the moments that matter in the customer journey. So if you haven't defined what your customer journey looks like, that's a, that's a very critical step to really define what that journey looks like, what are the moments that matter and what, at what point are you really measuring that value? Yeah, I think I think you need like to, to be. To yeah, I mean, you just need to be continuing, I think, to do that throughout the whole life cycle of your customer. And it's yep. every single touch point that you have, you should be always asking, is there more we can do? Is there more we can deliver? And, you know, I think what a customer sees as value at the beginning of their life cycle, um, you know, which is usually getting the product implemented is very different than what it's going to look like later in their life cycle where they might be more interested in being a market leader in, in the space, or they might be um, interested in, in thought leadership and advocacy and um, those other pieces that, you know, make a great partnership between you and your client. So yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's, it's great that you mentioned that they should be always looking to add value at those moments that matter because it's absolutely true. Yeah, and going into services. So um, we focus a little bit on customer success and going into a little more detail. But the difference with services teams is that just to kind of provide an overview again, services team focus on time-bound outcomes. And what that really means is that uh, when you sign a services agreement with a customer, be it an onboarding that you go through, be it a training or be it ongoing services for an optimization workshop or training, if you may. What really means uh, going into that is measuring out what does the outcome mean for customers? So if it's a training service that you have signed up with a customer for say $1,000, that really means that we are gonna deliver this training in a matter of say 10 hours. Uh, and what that means is part of the process is really figuring out the project plan uh, that the customer would be working through. What are the roles and responsibilities that you as an organization would be involved in and would provide? And what are the roles and responsibilities of the customer during this process? And what's the eventual timeline that it's gonna to take to finish up this particular engagement? So uh, a lot of the mindset that's needed for driving up this professional services is thinking more as, as a project manager and thinking about the outcome at the end of the day and how are you gonna drive those outcomes working with customers? So just if that helps kind of segregate the mm -hmm. value uh, drivers between customer success and professional services, uh, in somebody, customer success drives ongoing value versus services teams are focused on more of that managing those services as a project manager to deliver those time-bound outcomes. Yeah. So tell me, what do you see as the biggest differences in structure between these two kinds of teams? Yeah, the key difference is focus. Um, outcomes and deliverables for both these roles um, and how they vary from each other. So a customer success is a strategic partner role very similar to sales, as I mentioned early on in the pre-sales mm -hmm. process, helping understand the value and activities that surround uh, the success of the engagement. Uh, and each CSM usually has a portfolio of customers that they manage. 
Uh, and if you think about from a professional services front, on the other hand, it's focused on delivering a specific service uh, to the customer. A professional services team member might be managing multiple implementations. They might be doing multiple workshops and services engagements for customers. Uh, and very similar to that, right? A CSM would be managing a portfolio of accounts. If you think about it, it's, it's similar in some ways where a CSM is managing a portfolio of accounts and a professional services professional is managing a set of uh, services uh, packages or implementations, if you may. Um, and uh, if you think about it, it also gets very, very interesting uh, if it's a self-service product. Um, mm -hmm. If it's a self-service product, initially it might be the same team members performing both of those duties and, and responsibilities. So uh, I would say for leaders or practitioners thinking about, hey, am I part of professional services? Am I part of customer success? Uh, I think it all starts, uh, the lines start uh, differentiating itself after you reach a certain kind of point uh, in your organization. So if you're an early stage startup that's focused on getting the first 10 customers, getting the first 50 customers, I wouldn't think about uh, separating out services and customer success just from a capability perspective, obviously from a contractual perspective, uh, it'd be good to start thinking about it. But if you're an early stage startup, it's about making those first 10, 50, 100 customers successful. So whatever it takes to make those customers successful, um, the, the team needs to do that. Uh, and after a certain point in time, when you reach a certain level of maturity, which I call the initial maturity and the curve, uh, you should start thinking about uh, separating out success and services, at least from a capability perspective, so that uh, from a focus, and I think I want to bring that back, is uh, from a focus perspective, from a customer side, it's important to differentiate between those two roles and also for focus on your team. One of the, for the teams that I've managed, one of the things that uh, gets really convoluted after a certain point of inflection is, uh, what is my focus? And your team members would start asking you that question. Uh, and it's very important to start differentiating success and services at that point and uh, having point people on your team that can have those skills that can help drive success or services um, and then it's up to individuals who might kind of want up to, to want to take up those roles and drive those outcomes for customers at that point uh, to uh, to drive it from that point on. So I think just to summarize again, the main differences in terms of structure for these roles are finding people that have the right focus um, on, on the team to drive those outcomes and deliverables uh, for each of these roles. But I would highly encourage um, leaders trying to kind of make that differentiation to think about what point are they in the process uh, organizationally, are they ready to make that switch and then making that switch at that particular point? Yeah, so, you know, I think um, many older organizations, you know, maybe took a professional services approach initially and that that's what they think of now as customer success. And I think you and I have a, a different, more up-to-date version of what we think of as customer success. Why do you think a company might want to shift from a professional services to a customer success approach? That's a great question. And uh, Kristen, you might be talking to a lot of leaders uh, about this on a daily basis, so do yeah. I. So I think we have a <laughs> little more con context and empathy towards kind of understanding. And it's, it's, it's pretty common to see that. Um, especially you know, older firms that are focused more on the services aspects or even yeah. the early team, right? That comes from professional services. Um, uh, they, they tend to focus more on kind of that high touch relationship, thinking about how do we kind of focus on providing more services and services becomes revenue at the end of the day. 
which is not a bad thing. I wouldn't say that is a, a totally outdated concept, but um, I would say definitely that, that if that works, that's great. But if you think about um, the value of separating our customer success from professional services, it's about how do you create that long-term value for your customers and how are you driving that long-term revenue map um, from, a, from a company perspective? It helps differentiate the two line items from a revenue perspective, one around your core customer success, which is gonna drive your long-term revenue for your customers, which is driven based on relationships and value and outcomes. And if you think about services, that's kind of focused on providing a very specific outcome to your customer. So what it, if older organizations or people that are trying to make this switch, one of the things I would definitely encourage and I, I encourage in my ongoing conversations with them is about focusing on creating those two different line items around what is gonna drive your long-term value or revenue for your customers. That's why you're bringing in customer success. And uh, the reason you are kind of separating out services is so that you can have clear services, packages, or outcomes for your customers that can be time-bound and can be provided in a matter of days, a months, or years, right? So um, I think from, if you were to ask me a one-word answer, the answer is creating revenue uh, at the end of the day. So organizations that mm -hmm. want to multiply their revenue and exponentially grow and scale, it's important to make that switch so that from an organization perspective, you are able to see that difference in terms of the the value customer success is able to drive in terms of the long-term uh, growth and retention of customers uh, in terms of the focus and in terms of professional services, you're able to get that extra money that will help drive the overall success. Uh, and sometimes I've seen organizations where the services revenue exceeds the, the core customer success or standard contract, and that's awesome. Um, and those are companies that have kind of figured out the, the process to really uh, separate these two functions out where you can have mm -hmm. a customer that signed up for a year and now they're signed up for three or five more years because of the value CS has provided. And then you are able to have your services team deployed on the ground that can provide that extra revenue to fuel the business moving forward. So, so yeah, I think the, the bottom line answer is revenue and how you separate out these teams strategically is important to how you can drive that revenue. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. We will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. So Sunil, as we were preparing for this interview, you mentioned that you like to take a forming, norming, and performing approach to shifting from professional services to customer success. Can you describe that approach? Absolutely. Um, and the reason I, I think about these different phases is when you are actually in the process of taking your team through this transition, 
uh, it's a change management process at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And that's why this, uh, these stages really kind of uh, help uh, simplify the process in some way. Um, so if you think okay. about it, the, the forming, norming and performing phases, uh, let's start with the, the forming phase. So as we march towards streamlining the customer experience, one of the first areas to tackle is separating out services and customer success offerings, as we talked about. Given that any change to the offerings would have a direct impact to the level of service offered to your customers and culture of your team, there needs to be conviction and intention in clearly delineating the services and customer success offerings and working with your team in the process to, to do that. And it's very, very important to do that because if you're not able to bring your team together as a part of this transition, uh, it, won't be, it won't be successful at the end of the day. And one of the things I truly believe in is that if you are able to make your team successful and your employees happy, your customers would be happy. So it's very, very important to take your employees and your team members through this process and getting their input in this transition as compared to just making a, a top-down change at this time. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways to identify the areas that can be standardized versus the areas that needs to be customized per customer is going through a customer journey mapping process with your team, if you haven't already. This is a great opportunity to achieve some of these uh, following outcomes. One is A, bringing all the stakeholders together to feel that we are in this together. We are all in this together. And that all-in approach is very important. Second is identifying what's working today and what needs to be optimized. Third is identifying major moments that matter. And fourth is having a shared understanding of the current state and vision for the future state. So as you go through the customer journey mapping process and you're able to identify these four areas and kind of focus on that, any offerings that could be scalable and repeatable needed to be outlined with the customer success bucket and anything that was custom and meets the needs of the customer in a very uh, I would say uh, bespoke way uh, needs to be put into the services bucket. So uh, anything like production uh, kind of releases that need to happen, which is very custom to a customer or consulting needs, um, needs to have its own life cycle. More importantly, if you need to identify intersection points of services and customer success and how they could interplay with each other, uh, it's very, very important to do that to ensure that there's a seamless experience for your customer. What you're creating internally within the organization as success and services uh, is something that needs to be very, very seamless from a customer perspective. Um, and I've had organizations kind of go to customers and say, this is a customer success team. This is my professional services team. Joe is part of customer success. Mary is part of professional services. Uh, and from a customer perspective, especially if it's, uh, if it's a larger company, they could get confused and they could send Mary a question about customer success, right? So it's, it's very, very important to create that clear lines in terms of like, hey, Joe is your point of contact and he's going to be driving your customer relationship in terms of value. And then Joe will work with Mary to bring her in uh, to talk about any additional services um, or, or vice versa, right? So I think it's very, very important to define that point of contact who's going to be working with uh, your organization uh, in terms of that process. And, and in other scenarios, if it's an early stage company, then Mary might be the customer success person and she might be the professional services person. And there's no difference uh, between kind of who's kind of engaging with customers, but it's very important to have that quarterback on your team uh, who will be that customer success person who will bring services in uh, to drive those outcomes. Uh, next phase is the norming phase. As you try to outline the customer experience for your customer and based on my learnings from doing this more than a dozen times, 
Here's a simple playbook that you can apply to your business. First, start with the customer journey mapping process to outline all steps in the customer journey. Second, organize a racy uh, discussion or conversation. And it's very, very simple if you think about it, is to define who's responsible, who's accountable, who should be consulted, and who should be informed in the process. Uh, I know organizations have used different frameworks like RACI, DACI, whatever works for you. Just It's all about how do you bring people together and clearly define what the outcome of that conversation is. And when everybody leaves the room, they understand their roles in driving this change. And this is the conversation where you're making sure you include all stakeholders uh, who are important as a part of this journey mapping process. So if you have uh, your head of product or your product manager, or if you have a marketing team, that should be involved in this process to drive this, bring them on uh, to this process. More people, the better, uh, but also be respectful, especially uh, to make sure that you have the right people in the room. At that point, you're building alignment and ensuring that there is buy-in during each step of the process. Uh, even if it's a minor step, such as setting up an account, uh, include it in the process and assign a RACI for that step. Uh, no step is, uh, is a smaller step that you can be ignored or can assume that this is going to happen. Anything that happens in the customer journey needs to be documented. This will ensure that you're not missing out on any intricacies in the process and chances of things getting slipped out through the cracks are reduced. Once these steps are outlined, use a customer success platform to outline the steps in the process and uh, create that repeatable journey for overarching process uh, that needs to be repeated um, and then figure out the steps in the process that need to be one time only. And most importantly, rinse and repeat the process to ensure every <laughs> couple of weeks, uh, retro on the process, see what's working, what's not working, um, and think about it uh, like a business, right? Think about if you're running a business, how would you kind of rinse and repeat that every once in a while to make sure you're scaling and innovating on a daily basis? And last yeah. but not the least, um, the performing stage. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so once you have clearly outlined the core customer success and services offerings for your team, uh, here's a playbook that you can follow to ensure that you're rolling this out with utmost care and intention and empathy with your team. Step one is to put together a go-to-market strategy, including, uh, but not limited to these following artifacts. One is a transition plan for your existing customers in terms of how are they going to transition from a core white club level service, high, high touch to uh, an offering which might be uh, separated out into customer success and services for those customers. Second is a pricing sheet uh, for success versus services. And third is marketing materials that you would use to ensure that you have a clear and concise way to communicate the value uh, of the services that you're providing. Second is ensure that your customer success and account management and sales team is trained on these different components of services and core customer mm -hmm. success strategy. And there's a clear checklist of items and FAQs to deal with any gray areas. Third is set a clear set of milestones and deadlines to transition existing customers to this uh, new engagement model. Uh, first and most important is start scheduling conversations with your customers. Uh, it could be a most happy customers um, and introduce this new model uh, and perfect the pitch as you're talking to them and get feedback from them on this new model. Um, anything that is great, anything that's bad, you wanna kind of hear from your customers that uh, really can give you that candid feedback you want to hear that so you can improve your model based on that. And then once mm -hmm. you feel that you have a good pitch with your offerings, um, work on your work with your team and start having those transition conversations 
with your most risky customers and standardize those offerings, right? So you're, you're talking to your happy customers so that uh, they can give you that feedback. You're talking to your most candid customers so you're, they are letting you know uh, and being realistic with that. But once you've kind of uh, perfected that, you're also talking to your unhappy customers to standardize these offerings. And the last step uh, is schedule a weekly go-to-market meeting with all the stakeholders. And it could be weekly, it could be bi-weekly. I prefer weekly so that as things evolve mm -hmm. in the first couple of weeks, you're able to keep everybody on the same page. Uh, you're bringing different parts of the organization together, sharing feedback on how things are resonating with the customers, uh, and you're calibrating and accelerating or decelerating um, uh, and shifting accordingly. Got it. Um, I know you've taken a team through this process of conversion from professional services to customer success. What, what did you see as the biggest benefits of that transition? Yeah, I would say there's three. Uh, one is okay. clear understanding and alignment in the set of expectations with the customer. Okay. Number two is clear delineation of roles and responsibilities for the team. And third is, uh, as I mentioned early on, additional revenue streams for the organization and long-term yeah. value that you're able to create that you didn't realize you could kind of get before. So I would say those would be the three that I would think is the biggest benefits from a transition. Got it. In, in hindsight, is there anything that you think you would have approached differently or you would have changed about how you approached that? Yeah, I think definitely a lot of learnings. And again, I've made a lot of mistakes uh, going <laughs> through this process. Uh, so definitely kind of learnings from there. Number one is uh, building alignment with sales, product and marketing teams pretty early on. Uh, and don't yeah. do this in isolation uh, because what a lot of uh, teams think is that hey, um, I can create this. I've had experience doing this customer journey mapping. I'm going to lock myself in a room for three hours and draw this customer journey out and present to the team and I'm going to get buy-in. Um, you might get the buy-in for that, um, but is that the right way to do it? Probably not. You want to kind of do this in collaboration with your team. You, you definitely going to want to bring in sales, product, and marketing because this is a one-team approach. At the end of the day, customer success are the eyes and ears um, for your um, customers, but uh, you can't make this happen without having your uh, your teams together, uh, which is not just your customer success or professional services teams, it's a sales, product, and marketing, uh, or any other teams that mm -hmm. might be important to this process. Uh, so don't do this in isolation is number one. Uh, second yeah. is clearly communicate the value add for your team and customers. Um, and in terms of, uh, you're, you're selling it to them, right? You're selling it to your team and you're selling this to your customers. So uh, be a saleswoman or salesman in the process and clearly communicate the value that you're trying to drive in the process. So it's very, very important. And uh, the third one uh, would be project uh, and services revenue uh, and outcomes are clearly outlined to the leadership board and the team because it's easy to uh, separate out the services revenue, but how are you projecting that out for your team? What are the bookings going to be with your customers? So it's, it's very, very important to create that projection um, and uh, clearly kind of outline that to your leadership. So that is value from, um, from a revenue perspective that you can drive and you can clearly outline that, not just to your team, to your customers and to your, uh, to your peers within other teams, but you're also projecting this to the leadership so they can see the value that this transition can bring in. Yeah, I wanna come back to your first point and just restate that because it is so absolutely important. You cannot journey map alone. You cannot, <laughs> there's too many other teams that touch customers throughout the customer journey. And if you try to map the journey out just in isolation or just for your part of the customer journey, 
you won't have those overlap points and it'll only be partially effective. And so it is absolutely critical to get everybody together to do the journey mapping and to plan out processes that cross over from multiple teams. And it's it's all those teams that you called out. It could be other teams as well. There's there's often, you know, support is in the mix and um, you've got, you know, you've got people from your product team that need to, you know, be looped in on things like feature requests and they also need to be able to share their roadmap. And so I 100% agree with you. <laughs> you cannot do this alone. So, um, you know, I think that's a huge point that we want to make sure the audience takes away from today. So if someone in the audience is considering this shift from a classic professional services structure to a customer success approach with clients, um, how would you recommend that they get started? Great question. So let me try to summarize uh, in terms of my learnings and takeaways kind of doing this yeah. a couple of times. Um, so three, three different points that I can think of. One is... Um, every business and every customer is unique. So I think it's very important to empathize with that. And there are aspects of it that can be pulled out to create experiences that are aspirational and reusable for other customers to leverage. And those are kind of things that you should think about while you're kind of going through this process is every business is unique. And what are those things or those special moments that matter that you can take out and things that are aspirational and reusable that you can put in as your part of your standard customer success process and services. Second is if you're not leveraging what's working for one customer and applying it to others, you're missing out on a major piece what drives value and investment for your mm -hmm. organization. So it's, it's very, very important to kind of take learnings from not just looking at the whole portfolio of say thousands of accounts or 10,000 accounts, but you're looking at every single customer in the process and really figuring out what are the learnings and, and failures. Uh, honestly, from each of them and, and figuring out what drives value. And third is customers don't just buy the product to use for their needs. They want to learn from what other customers are doing and what's working for them. So it's, it's very, very important as a part of this process to, to make sure that you're sharing learnings with your customers um, and being candid with them. Uh, I don't know how many times we've heard, uh, and you've heard probably, uh, what's, what are your other customers doing? What's working for them and what's not working, right? Even as yeah. part of a standard QBR conversation. So especially as you're going through this transition um, and considering the shift, uh, make sure you're putting customers at the center of it uh, as compared to thinking about customers at the end of the journey. Um, and this will really help you provide that perspective as you're going through this transition uh, and making that shift to make sure that you're thinking about the eventual goal, which is making sure your customers are happy and they're getting the value that we're trying to drive before this transition and you're trying to exponentially grow it after this transition. And one thing I definitely wanna let the, the folks know is that even with a perfect process and execution, there's always a risk of your existing customers not being happy with the shift. So it's extremely important to master the, the go-to-market strategy that you have and calibrate it to ensure that they understand that they're getting a lot more value as a part of this transition instead of losing out on something uh, that they've been promised during the initial sales process or maybe they were uh, customer number three coming into your organization. Um, it's, it's very important to let them know that they are valued uh, at the end of the day and they are important um, and we want to learn from them as you're going through this transition. So that'll be, I would say, the, the summary of uh, that from my side. 
Awesome. Thank you. So last question, and this is one that we ask all of our guests on the show. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? This is a great question, Kristen. Um, there's so much that comes to my mind, but if you were to think about just one, um, I would say the biggest need right now within customer success is the need to bring your organization together to fulfill and meet the needs uh, of your customers. This can be met or unmet needs, uh, and that's what customer success is about. Um, but how do you really bring your organization together so that if a request comes in from a customer, how are you able to A, acknowledge that request, B, document that request, and then C, make sure you are able to process that request and then close the loop back with customers. I think a lot of organizations uh, do a really good job at listening to customers and documenting it, but then it kind of goes into a black hole and customers never hear back about their request. And uh, I think the standard answer that usually we have is that, yeah, our product team is looking into it or yeah, our market team, <laughs> marketing team is looking into it. Um, I think which is, which is good, but I think at the end of the day, customers feel that they've been hurt, but uh, really at the end of the day, the, the loop is not being closed. So I, th- I would say right. that's kind of the biggest unmet need today. Um, and I think it's very important to understand the customer success team are the eyes and ears to your customers but it's more important now than ever to have a one team approach to solve the needs of customers. Um, And how does uh, a customer see your organization together as this organization is gonna solve my problem or hear my request and innovate uh, as compared to Mm -hmm. my my CSM hearing it out and um, I'm just kind of following up with uh, him or her and trying to kind of get back a response, right? So that one team approach is very important and the organizations that I've seen immense uh, success is where you're able to bring your teams together to to make that happen with the customer. Uh, And I've seen a lot of uh, growth in this area recently and a lot of innovation happening um, and organizations that I personally work with like Outline and others are trying to take on this challenge and bring customer Mm -hmm. success, product, marketing and sales team together to solve the problem. Most importantly, uh, not just to kind of hear these requests from customers, but really close the loop Uh, with your customers and make sure your organization is not a black box once the request comes in but it's it's a transparent process in terms of a request coming in from a customer you being able to communicate that seamlessly to your organization your organization acknowledging it Um, and again at the end of the day right your team might decide to acknowledge that request and uh, proceed with that request or you might your team might uh, decide that um, that's not a request that makes sense at this particular point in time right it's pretty common from a product team perspective to say that this doesn't align with our roadmap. So it can definitely happen. Um, so it's, it's, I would say that's kind of the biggest kind of need and the biggest trend that I'm seeing in the customer success space right now. Yeah, and, and just to kind of emphasize what you just said, I think um, it's okay to go back to customers and say no, if no is the right thing for the company, it's also the right thing for the customers because then you're able to put time and energy into other things that are more important and more aligned with your vision for the product. Um, and I think I think product teams don't like saying no. I think CSMs don't like saying no. And so I think you end up with this sort of, you know, ever expanding list of features that people have asked for, and it kind of makes the problem worse. And so I see what you just described happening in a lot of organizations where it just kind of like starts to compound and it does, it turns into this black hole of feature requests. (laughs) So yeah, as much as um, organizations can help, uh, you know, work with each other to to help make that 
um, more seamless and to complete that loop back to the customers, that's better for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think the one last thing that I would like to share there, uh, and I think it's a, it's a very, very important point that you mentioned as well, which is um, sometimes uh, saying no is probably the best for your organization, for your customers, because yeah. uh, if you're able to say yes to everything that comes in, uh, obviously that's that, that's an ideal universe that we live in, but that's that's not a stage that might be ideal for your customers. And uh, it's it's very important to think about a one team approach as you're going into these yeah. conversations. And as a CSM uh, or a salesperson, you're very much uh, indexing on your relationships and you want to continue those relationships not just personally with customers because you want these customers to be loyal to your business and you want them to be happy, right? So uh, I think uh, just from a human perspective, you're wired to say yes means the customer is happy and that means they're going to stay with us longer. Uh, but if you think about it, um, you, if you kind of change the context from saying me to my organization, me as an organization, is this right to say yes to the customer at this point in time? Or is it right to say no, because it doesn't align with our roadmap, it might not be the right solution for the customer uh, and providing that context to that customer. Uh, I've had a lot of customers and I still talk to them that have been clients for 10 years of mine uh, at other organizations. Uh, and when we kind of talk about how are things going, one of the things they bring up is, um, I really appreciate you saying no to that one thing because uh, we realize that if, we had, uh, if you had said yes as an organization to that, we would be in a very different place. So sometimes no is a great answer. Um, and not saying you should always say no, but I think just evaluating that situation and uh, elevating it beyond the relationship and taking it to um, the, the next level is important. Yeah, I mean, I think most customers would appreciate a fast no, rather than having some something just sit there indefinitely in the queue, too. <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah. Well, Sunil, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on the differences between professional services and customer success, and um, why you might want to choose one approach over the other, or when you should have both in place. I know our audience always likes specific examples, so I appreciate your willingness to share your approach, and uh, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was really great talking to you and it's always great to share uh, thoughts with the customer success community. Um, and yeah, obviously if anybody is trying to make the shift uh, from professional services to customer success, uh, I'm more than happy to share my thoughts uh, and LinkedIn is uh, probably the best way to get in touch with me. Great. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.